Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with bright young thing, Fred Bell, CEO of Elemental Royalties, part of the Discovery Group. And if you want to hear our thoughts on that conversation and their plans, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports, uh, commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. There are training videos on there. There are summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you a bit of time. Of course, there's our thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. So do go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Frederick, how are you doing, sir? Very good, thank you. Good to have you back. We haven't seen you since the end of July. How are you keeping? Yeah, very good. That was um, yeah, listing at the end of July. So uh, so it's been um, been a few months now as a listed company. Um, still feels fairly fairly new, but uh, getting into the groove. You're getting used to the uh, processes and the reporting and and people hounding and, you and the hours and the oh, yes. good. That's exactly. international time zones. Because you're based in London and the company's listed in CSXB. You coping? It's uh, it's actually it's great because you can get the work done in the morning. And then you're ahead of the game when everyone wakes up in Canada. So you just, um, you know, I think it enables us to sort of uh, to make progress. And then in the evening, um, you know, you can take calls yeah. uh, sort of all evening, which I'm sure everyone's partners in London really enjoy. Absolutely. The, the shareholders are getting an extra 50% of value from you. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well, look, Fred, um, we we did kind of catch up with your business plan last time out. So we'll put a link to that, the last uh interview below. Uh, today, we're going to focus on a press release, which we just saw, which looks pretty exciting. But first of all, give us that one minute overview of the business and we'll get stuck into the press release. Elemental Royalties is a precious metals royalty company. We listed on the TSXV with a ticker ELE in July this year. And um, we have a portfolio of six royalties and five of those are over operating assets. And um, with the uh, with the acquisition we've just announced, that should be significantly more going forwards. Fantastic. Okay, and you're also part of the Discovery Group. We have Discovery Group companies on here regularly. Pretty well well run organisation. How are they? Uh, have they been quite helpful with you? It's it's actually it's odd because I you know, we are a COVID company in the sense that we listed came to the public markets in 2020. Haven't been able to travel to Canada since we listed. So it's um, I think being part of Discovery Group. Has probably been even more valuable in the sense that we can, you know, use all their network connections, um, people to help us on the ground in Canada um, when we can't go ourselves. So it's been really enjoyable. And I think definitely looking forward to actually 2021 being able to go over to, uh, to Canada and, um, and sit down with everyone in, in person again. It seems a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Um, I'm hoping to write 2020 off, quite frankly. Um, I won't talk about share price because it's been fairly flat, the odd, odd dip uh, or raise here and there, uh, but you haven't really been at it long enough. But are you getting used to these, these sorts of conversations you're having to have within the public? Because you were three years private before this, right? right? Just to remind people about that. So, I mean, you've got to create relationships with brokers, get them interested, newsletter writers, uh, promoters, etc. How's that going? I think that's um, that's one of the streams that we will we we always have to do in parallel with business development, looking at opportunities. And I think that it's never more important than just after you've listed. And as you said, having been private for three years, built up the portfolio, um, we really need to get the story out there, talk to new investors, 
And um, I think go the extra, make the extra effort when you don't bump into people at conferences, when you're not seeing people face to face. I think so a lot of meetings um, with investment bankers, analysts, making sure um, they know the background to Elemental, what the business plan is, what we're looking to do going forwards. And then I think it's about, um, I think it's about trying also to, to make sure investors know, um, know we're there because it's, um, we're still only, sometimes I have to pinch myself, we're still only three and a half months old as a listed company. And so um, you always want things to move faster. Um, but it's, uh, I think we are, uh, we're doing a, doing a lot on the, on the marketing front as well to, to make sure that um, our profile is, is out there. Okay, so let's just remind people again. So you've got six royalties, four of them which are uh, operating, I think one's also near term operating in 2022. Um, has there been any movement in terms of the existing operating royalties? Or is that just as the same as it was? So the, the major update on that since we listed in July is that our largest royalty on Taranga Gold's Wang Yon mine, um, they increased production by 20%. So they just built the mine at the end of last year um, and announced about 20% increase in production going forwards. So that feeds through directly to Elemental. Um, and for our biggest royalty, that's that's um, fantastic news with the benefit that they're now more incentivized to push exploration um, to extend that mine life. So we get the win from increased revenue, increased production straight away at no cost. And then we get the additional win as they push out the mine life and add to the value of the royalty. And um, interesting, but you just saw last week, the um, Endeavor uh, merger um, with, with Taranga. So that will now be an asset um, if it completes with a, with a top 10 gold producer as the operator. So that's actually... Um, it's good for us as well to have a have a really senior counterparty like that. Okay, so one of the criticisms I made of you last time out was the fact that three years, six royalties, not enough uh, weight there. You need to kind of really get things merging, and you've answered that. So talk to us through uh, the South Thirty Two deal that you announced uh, t- uh, yesterday. Yeah, so South. So look, it's uh, it's our first acquisition as a listed company, um, and it is a fifty five million US dollar acquisition. So roughly speaking, um, sort of the size of Elemental. Um, so we are um, pretty much overnight um, doubling the size of the company and we're adding three gold royalties in Western Australia. Um, so top tier jurisdiction um, and the largest royalty there that we're acquiring, um, it comes into production um, next year in Q2. So it's Australia's newest gold mine and it will add 50% to our revenue approximately next year. And when it has a full year from 2022, it's going to um, push our revenue up from where it is today, a bit over 5 million, up to a bit over 10 million. So it really does straight away have an impact. And then we have this, we're in this great position where our revenue is sort of forecast to go up sort of 50% next year, more than 100% in 2022. And then again, in 2023, as we start to get full year revenue from some of the royalties that we will already have in the portfolio. Okay. You need to be pretty darn sure about these numbers, okay? Because you've, I think you've got a little bit of criticism that we've seen online about how you've structured this. I mean, how would you answer that? You've got Sprott in there, two-year term deal, 10%. Feels quite expensive, 12 million private placement. It, have you done that the right way? I think it's, um, for, for us, uh, the, uh, the ability to complete an acquisition this size Um you know, we wouldn't have been able to do it without the support of our biggest institutional shareholders, um, without the support of Sprott Lending. Um, 
and um, without the support of uh, South 32 who are coming in. And I think that, um, that we, we looked at this at about 1650 gold and we got about a, a one times nav on the acquisition there. And I think that for us, um, that, that, you know, what we said when we listed is we wanted a target really good quality royalties, not 50 expiration royalties, but, you know, a few really meaningful royalties that take us to a different level. And I think that fits into this category perfectly. And in, in terms of the, um, in terms of the price, South 32 are taking $15 million of the consideration in equity and elemental. So they're becoming our largest shareholder um, with just under 20% following. So I think a real endorsement um, from, from them of, of both the company, but also they're taking part of our portfolio as well going forwards. They're shareholders in that now. So, Did you recognize that you needed to do something substantive? You've literally doubled the size of the company with this transaction. It's quite aggressive, right? You could have gone smaller. Yeah. So are you nervous I mean, about yeah. it? Yeah, it's, it's one of the, yeah, we have a slightly unique history. We started off privately and we stayed private for three years um, and we built up uh, the critical mass to list and a really good track record of value additive creative transactions. Um, and if you, I think when you, when we listed, one of the comments that you said yourself was, you know, you've done a great job sort of getting here, but how are you going to get to the next stage and get that critical mass size diversification? And what we, what we said at the time, and I think what this transaction has shown was that the access to capital and the ability to do transactions like this were unlocked with the listing. So with the listing for the first time, we could use our equity really. We could use the, the 10 million US in cash we had following the listing fundraise, and we could look at using debt as similar to what we have. So it, it really allowed us to look at larger transactions than we'd ever been able to do. Okay, so t- talk to me about the spot bit, because that seems the bit people seem to be focused in on. Okay, and there's you've got lots of options about how you um, deal uh, with that. So how are you going to deal with it? So we have, um, so, just for sort of summary, we have a 25 million US dollar um, loan uh, from Swap to part fund this. It is a uh, nine plus 1% interest rate. Um, and it is a minimum period of six months um, and a term loan of two years. And so I think there's, there's no restrictions on that in terms of um, after the six months repayment or refinancing. And um, I think if you look at some of the sort of other royalty companies in, in, in the past who have done been in a similar position. Um, I think that you can see there are opportunities there to um, potentially for us to, to put in place even um, you know, more attractive debt facilities for us going forwards. And, and one of the issues that you know, when you're talking to debt providers that you have is you always have this you know, you know, certain critical mass that you need. And um, I think a lot of the mid-tier royalty companies you see Sort of, you know, uh, call it five hundred million dollar and above ones. They are they they can access capital at sort of four percent interest, sort of five percent. So sort of half of where we are today. And I think that with this acquisition in the future going forwards, it will open the door for Elemental to be able to do that. And so if you look at where we are at the listing, um, you know, in a year's time, having double the revenue, um, having access to debt facilities at at probably maybe half the cost of capital that we have ever had in the past and in a greater size than we've ever had in the past. I think that's um, it puts us in a, in a completely different position for the company going forward. Yeah, I think, I think you have moved the company on. There's been a nice inflection or a nice development of where you're at. But I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you last time. So what next? <laughs> 
So the, the, um, we just uh, um, upsized the financing yesterday on the announcement. Um, so we will come out of this uh, with about 10 million Canadian in cash. Um, we'll be cash flow positive as we have been um, since inception. So it means that um, as, we, as we work to close this transaction um, over the next month or two, uh, we're not going to be stopping on the business development side. And we just had somebody join us yesterday in London um, who's a first day on the job um, to uh, help on the BD side. So I think she enjoyed coming in and, and taking um, uh, on the day that we announced the transaction yesterday with South32. Um, but I think it, it just enables us to keep keep opportunities coming in. And one of the, I think, one of the things that, that we have to juggle internally is that for a transaction the size of the company, we can't necessarily be doing one or two, five or $10 million deals in parallel. We really have to focus on closing the large one and then we can almost open it up. And I think where we are now is that we can probably go to one or two of those smaller ones we saw and actually, we might be able to progress those as we're going through with this one. Okay. I mean, it, it, because it kind of gives you a slightly different stature in the marketplace, I think people are more likely to listen to you or come to this side rather than where we were at when we last spoke. But um, back on the Sprott component, are there any other restrictions, securities, first liens, any other things in the terms, because I haven't seen them, uh, which would restrict you from doing a, a, a comparable deal to the one you've just done? So there's um, the, the main features are, are that they have um, security on all the assets um, and we have to keep a minimum $1 million working capital. Right. Balance. So you are incentivized to get rid of that as quickly as possible, aren't you? I, I think that, um, look, Sprott have been really helpful both on the last transaction with Wanyon um, and with this one. And um, I've, I've said to them, you know, we would definitely... Uh, we would definitely provide you with a sort of, you know, you know, really good references going forwards. But I think for us, where we're where we're going as we scale up, is it gives us the ability to access cheaper debt facilities going forward from Sprott and from potentially other other parties as well. Okay, interesting. Okay, have you got? Have you? I mean, you must have been at this sometime. You must have known when you were talking to me last that uh, that you were having these discussions or hoping to have these discussions. So how long ahead of time do you get to a sense of the sorts of deals that you could be it's, able to get it's, over the um, I think uh, this wasn't actually the sort of first transaction we thought we would lead with from the listing. Um, so we have, um, we've said publicly, we, we've looked at over $100 million of deals since we listed the company. So um, we have definitely been keeping active. And um, sometimes it's a sort of balancing act between vendor timelines and and what kind of a steel size deal we can absorb and take in and what makes sense for the company. Um, but I think that uh, at any one point, we have a number of live discussions going on on opportunities. And that was certainly the case when we spoke before. Um, it's still absolutely the case today. Um, and I think it's partly, it's, it's always um, a case of balancing the timing with our ability um, to, to transact and do it and the bandwidth um, and I think that this transaction gives us more ability without a doubt than we have ever had to do this. Because if you, if you step back and look at the company since we started it, in 2017, we did a $2 million royalty, our first one, and we had to syndicate 50% of it um, to give it away. So we've gone from a million dollar deal in 2017 to a $50 million plus deal in 2020. 
um, you know, we have been able to um, increase the share price every time we've raised money in the history of the company. Um, and we've taken it from zero revenue in 2017 up to 5 million this year with, you know, getting up to 10 million in, in 2022. But that's, that's what it always is with royalty companies. You start small and you kind of work your way up the ladder, right? But what I'm trying to work out is the scale of your ambition here, because are we going to see more deals like the one you've just done? Because I need to remind people, it's not easy to go into a transaction of an equal with an equal, right? You've done that. You know, if, you, if you're talking about something 20% of, the, of your market cap, it's a lot easier. But to go and structure the finance is, is complex. So what is the scale of your ambition? Are we going to see more deals like this one or bigger? Or are you just going to take it easy for a while? Um, I think it's, it's really uh, it's a balancing act. And, and when we listed, we said that we would look at the opportunistic acquisitions as and when we find them, similar to a lot that we did privately. And we would look at some really material ones where we thought they can move the needle for the company. And this, this clearly fits into the latter category. Um, and then it's a case for us now of, of reassessing the pipeline and, and seeing what makes, what makes most sense. And as always, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a moving target. Um, it depends on market conditions, your valuation, um, you know, willingness to issue capital or to issue equity um, you know, for certain transactions if they're larger. So I think all of those things will factor into it. But um, you know, the great thing is now that from where we sit today, um, you know, we have growth coming in um, in the portfolio in 2021, 2022 and 2023 without doing anything else. But you can't rest that, okay? You just can't. Yeah, it's about absolutely. these are growth stories. So, welcome to the public markets. Uh, we better. And I, I think, um, and just one one comment you, you sort of said is, you know, I think um, it's worth pointing out is you, you said, you know, that all royalty companies start small and sort of grow up. But actually, if you look at the two largest sort of sub billion dollar royalty companies um, who are out there, they were both spun out of existing royalty portfolios. So they had. 80 million and, and sort of $400 million critical mass behind them. And, and actually, there are very few startup royalty companies that get to that sort of, call it magic $10 million revenue number. Um, that, you know, it's actually very hard to do. And, and you can go back over the last eight years um, when there were sort of the previous junior royalty companies. And actually, again, it's, you know, not many do it. And I think for us to do it, um, you know, in our first transaction as a public company, um, and to do it within three and a half months of listing, uh, I, I think it's uh, it should be a really good demonstration of a ability to grow, um, b ability to to use our equity for counterparties and for them to participate in the story. Because I think you know for for the vendors here, the reason they went with Elemental is because they wanted to get the upside from our equity, and I think that will be a key component of our growth story going forwards. True, true. You, you can look at it a number of ways. You can, you can, we can focus on, on, on the revenue. We can focus on market cap, share price appreciation, lots of ways you can measure this. And I get those two guys who we've interviewed did get a bit of a head start. Um, like, uh, yeah, they, 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 and they, but they've done well. They've done well with what they've been given, right? Um, and But I do take on board your point that is, again, shows a point of difference. So um, I appreciate that. We better talk about the three assets in Australia and, you know, what they're bringing to the table. Absolutely. So the, the largest one is, uh, it's, uh, um, it will be our biggest royalty by value after this transaction. And it is a 2% royalty on Australia's newest gold mine, Capricorn's Carla Winder. And um, that will be 
Um, it's it's forecast to, to pay as a royalty for a sort of four and a half million dollars US going forwards. And, and so that is a really, really um, quality acquisition. The management team there are very well known in Australia. Um, last two companies um, they've been involved with, most particularly at Regis, um, where they actually um, made an approach to buy this asset uh, previously. So they're, they're, they're familiar with it. They like it. Um, very well regarded in Australia, um, under construction currently and due to start um, commissioning in Q2 of next year. Um, and the second royalty is a royalty over part of Focus's Laverton project, also in Western Australia. And it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, it's probably not as much on the radar. But actually, in the last 18 months or so, they've added about 800,000 ounces um, in resource there. And um, they've, they've really moved it um, a lot further on from sort of where it was. And this is one of the gold belts in WA that has seen almost no expiration in the last 15 years plus. And um, one of the areas the royalty is on, the Lancefield Underground, um, that was last mined in the 1990s by Western Mining. So it's been an awfully long time. And I think that in different hands... Um, in the hands of a sort of Saracen or a Northern Star, these assets would probably have been in production, you know, five years ago from here. So from our point of view, it gives us a, a major royalty that is going to, you know, add really, really materially to our revenue straight away from next year. It gives us an asset in, in Focus's Laverton that has been almost seen no expiration for the past 20 years up until recently. Um, and then the third royalty, which is a smaller one, and it's an expiration one. And it, again, is a former Western mining um, asset. So it's, it's interesting, but two of our, one of our directors, Peter Williams and um, Richard, who's in charge on the technical side, who are both based in Australia and who both had 20 years plus at Western mining. And these are three former WMC mines. So that, I think, really helped us um, in terms of being able to do due diligence on it from a technical perspective um, and get comfortable that for an acquisition of this size, it, it really made sense for us and it ticked the boxes. Yeah, that is literally where I was going. Um, as, as we talked about last time, was how do you get comfortable? It's all well and good paying 55 million bucks, but have you spent it well? I mean, uh, you know, I think one time's now, I mean, good price. You, don't, you did well on that one for sure. I, I, I think that, um, you know, for, for um, near-term production in Western Australia, it, it fits well. And I think it fits really well in particular for, for Elemental. Um, coincidentally, it, it sort of balances our portfolio. And coincidentally, in terms of what they were offering, um, but obviously very deliberate from our side, because our biggest royalty up until now has been on Taranga Gold's Wang Yon in, South, in West Africa, Southwest Virginia Paso. And I think that one of the key things people want to see as well is you know, jurisdiction diversification. And so to make it here, 60% weighted towards Western Australia going forwards, I think really helps us from that perspective. No, I think it does. We were looking at the world map. You you really are quite diversified now in terms of North, South, South, South America. You've got Africa, you've got Europe, you've got Australia. So yeah, no, it's, it's interesting times. Um, okay, well, look, um, Fred, thanks for the update. Uh, great release yesterday. We wanted to kind of get into the, the weeds of it with you. Um, sounds like it's a fantastic deal, but do not rest on your laurels. We're looking for the next one. Yeah, okay. So we'll have to schedule an interview for a few weeks then to make sure you keep us on our toes. We'd be delighted to have you on. Uh, congratulations. I uh, hope it keeps going well. Pick up the phone when you've got something to say, okay? Fantastic. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? 
or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.